Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Well, it's a blessing having you on with me today on the Liberty Cafe. Have you ever noticed that when things go wrong for the progressives, that when things don't turn out the way they tell us they're going to turn out because of all their wonderful progressive ideas, that they all start saying the same thing at the same time. It's, it's pretty amazing how that happens. We, we saw it with the, with the Bush years. We saw it with the Obama years trying to cover up. We saw it certainly with the Trump years, with the impeachment, with everything. They just keep going on and on. And it's really a pretty fascinating aspect of things, but how they actually pull this off and do it so well. Not convincingly, because we all know it and realize it, or at least a lot of people do. I guess they keep doing it because it works at some level, because there's some group of people out there who keep buying into this. Today, in this case, what they're doing this with is with the Texas freeze, the big Texas freeze, the Texas blackouts that I think everybody knows took place last Tuesday morning, Monday night last week. Temperatures were down into the single digits across most of the state, and there just wasn't enough electricity to keep the lights on. And so in order to avert catastrophe, ERCOT ordered local providers, utilities, to start rolling blackouts, and they did. My neighborhood didn't run out of electricity much because we're right next to a nursing home and things got so bad for a little while that they couldn't even do rolling blackouts anymore in Austin Energy because they couldn't trip the circuit wires because they didn't have enough or the circuits because they didn't have enough electricity to even do that and make it all work afterward. So we were all right, but a lot of people were out for a couple of days, maybe even three days. Water went out after that for longer than that. And so it's a big mess. Well, even that very same day, they started running articles blaming the free market. I saw a, start, a story from uh, Bloomberg, no friend of markets there, that's saying the deep winter storm and temperatures must have caught the Texas deregulated market by surprise. Well, obviously, it caught a lot of people by surprise. Nobody had expected weather like this in Texas because... Most people alive haven't ever seen weather like So in one sense, yeah, it could have caught the market by surprise. But I don't think that's what they really meant. They wanted to say the market was caught by surprise because it was a market. And if smart government regulators had been in charge of things, rather than these profit-hungry, greedy corporations and the people who work for them, then everything would have been all right. But of course, that wasn't the case. And that's not the case today. But that still doesn't keep the left from marching out all the talking points. Uh, most recently, it was the Austin American Statesman. They got the, the marketplace is to blame talking points. But they added a nice little original twist to this. They went back all the way to the 1990s to blame Ken Lay of Enron shame as the one who was to blame for the blackouts. Right? And let me just read a little bit of this article for you. Crossing out the Dear Governor Bush typed by his, Mr. Lay's secretary, and penciling in Dear George in his place, 
Lay wrote to invite Bush to musicals, commiserate over knee surgery, thank the governor for a Christmas gift, and lay out the benefits of competition that electricity deregulation would bring. We have already glimpsed the energy future, and it works. Lay, who died in 2006, shortly after being convicted of a massive securities fraud, wrote to Bush in 1996, a year after Texas lawmakers had started to dismantle the electric utility monopolies. 25 years later, which is now, a fierce debate has erupted about whether the deregulation of the Texas electricity market contributed to the most calamitous week in recent Texas history, one that saw millions of Texans desperate and shell-shocked as they sought out the most basic comforts of modern civilization, food, water, heat. Wow, that's a big story, isn't it? Well, there's so much wrong with that. It it would take a long time to dispute all the things in there or show how they are wrong. But let me just hit a, a couple of things. First of all, the Texas market is not deregulated at all. It never has been What Texas went through in the 1990s and 2000s was to introduce competition into the market. Why that happened had really very little to do with Ken Lay, because the effort to introduce competition into the market was a nationwide event during the 1990s. And it wasn't just with electricity. It was with telecommunications, as just as it had been a little bit earlier with trucking and airlines, and then banking uh, about the same time. All across the country, liberals and conservatives together realized how inefficient government setting of rates was, and still is today. And people like Ted Kennedy and Jimmy Carter and Democratic leaders in Texas and Republican leaders in Texas, Democratic leaders in California and in Maryland, Republicans up in Ohio, Democrats and Republicans in New York, all across the country, they realized that there was all this cheap natural gas around, but they couldn't get cheap electricity out of it. And they all knew why. It was because of this rate of return system that the utilities operated on. The utilities would say, oh, we're going to go build a generation plant and we're going to spend this much. And then they'd come back and fight with the PUC in that state whether they're going to get eight and three quarters percent or nine and a quarter percent return. And there was a little haggling over how much money they spent would apply, but it was the most inefficient system possible. And the only way to get cheap electricity out of cheap natural gas was through competition. And so the whole nation went through this with all those other industries I mentioned, but also with electricity. Now, of course, most of them didn't do a very good job. California, of course, exploded in the early 2000s because of that. And that's why Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of California for a while, because that ran Gray Davis out of office, just like might happen in California these days, for another reason, of course, we're not talking about here. But in Texas, it was a very bipartisan thing passed by a Democratic House and a Republican Senate, signed by a Republican governor, George W. Bush, just before he became president of the United States, bipartisan all the way across. And it had nothing to do with deregulation. It had to do with introducing competition so that these big utilities wouldn't get guaranteed profits all the time. And it worked. And Texas, for the last 20 years, has had a strong, stable, reliable, and affordable supply of electricity. But something has happened 
over these last 25 years, a couple of things really, that have messed up this market and brought us to the place we were today. First of all, regulators on the, well, just regulators, and then scared policymakers and environmental leftists and other consumer leftists can't stand competition. And so they have slowly chipped away at some of the basic norms of this market that allowed prices to operate and allowed prices to set the standard for how much generation we're going to have in the state. It worked so well for years, but it has gone in part by the wayside because the PUC just can't keep its hands off the market. That's number one. But the second reason and the bigger reason that we have had this problem here in Texas of late is renewable. Nobody wants to talk about that um, for a couple of reasons. A lot of people don't want to talk about it, particularly the left, but the big generators too, because they've all bought in to this renewable energy. It's going to save the world. It's going to make them a lot of money. It's going to take carbon out of the air, all those kinds of things. Of course, none of that's true except the part about them making money, but it doesn't matter. They're all bought in. And so there's no way they'll back out about that over that. And then there's other folks who really don't want to talk about it. And that's folks like Greg Abbott, Dade Phelan, Speaker of the Texas House, to a lesser extent, probably Dan Patrick, and then just a lot of members of the Texas legislature who have watched for the last 10, 15, 20 years as Texas has boosted time and time again subsidies for renewable energy companies here in Texas. Watched it, supported it, whatever it is, and they don't want to take the blame for it. And if they talk about it, the blame could come back on them. So they're not talking about it. For instance, Greg Abbott is going after the companies. Well, that's fine because the companies are to blame too because the companies over the years have gone from pretty stout defenders of the free market. When I first started working on this issue in 2005, the greatest allies I had on this were the generators because they were making lots of money, and so they loved the free market. But when money started getting tight around 2010 and 11, all of a sudden their support for the free market started going south. They actually started opposing what I'd been working on with them earlier, and they wanted to move towards a, what's called a capacity market, which is basically just paying them to be around and provide capacity in emergency situations like we had today. The problem is, is that over time, we've already developed this kind of capacity market they want. And for instance, in 2019, the Texas capacity market, which is basically designed around something known as the operating reserve demand curve, forked over $3.6 billion in payments to the generators just to stand around and be there from Texas consumers. So it's a massive transfer of wealth from consumers to the generators, but almost none of that money, that $3.6 billion in 2019, And a lot of money in the years before that, too. That was the biggest paycheck they'd gotten. But almost none of that money has gone back into building reliable generation. And there's a reason for that, because a capacity market doesn't work, because they've got that up in the Northeast, in the Midwest. They don't work up there either. They've had less reliable systems up there than we have had in Texas. But they're never going to work anywhere as long as we have renewable energy distorting the market. We they are today. The problem is, is that the federal production tax credit, 
uh, along with state subsidies and local subsidies, basically, which are property tax abatements. But particularly the federal subsidies are paid on a per kilowatt basis. And so wind and solar, all they have to do is generate and they get this money. So, for instance, some of them have gotten up to 2.2 cents per kilowatt hour before. They can actually generate electricity, pay two cents, for instance, to somebody to take the electricity off their hands, so negative prices, and they still make money because of the subsidies. Usually it doesn't get that low, but at one cent or zero cents or one cents, they're making money hand over fist. And all the other generators have to follow those prices down because of the way the market works, and they're losing money because they're not getting the subsidies, the nuclear and the coal and the gas. And so that is what has destroyed the Texas electricity market and made it possible for this last week to happen. Because of this, new natural gas fire generation has not been built in the last five years. Very little of it has been the last five years. Uh, the total gas output in the Texas market over the last five years has gone up 3.5%, whereas the output of wind in the last five years has gone up 113%, and the output of solar has gone up almost 2,000%. And so when Texas regulators, ERCOT grid managers, needed to go look for reserves, there weren't any out there because they hadn't been built. Instead, it was all this wind and solar out there, and they couldn't come online when they needed it. So that's the first problem, that we didn't have natural gas plants built over the last five years that could have picked up a lot or even all of this load that was needed to cover the losses. The plants just weren't there because they hadn't been built because of the renewable subsidies. Now, the other reason that the renewables are to blame is because the plants that had been built, the renewable plants that had been built, just didn't show up. They weren't there. You know, the Austin American Statesman ran a story the other day that said, as of Wednesday, 46,000 megawatts of generation were offline, with 185 generating plants tripped, ERCOT officials said. 28,000 megawatts came from coal, gas, and nuclear plants, and 18,000 megawatts were from solar and wind. That's all nice and interesting, but Wednesday wasn't the big problem. The big problem was Monday night and Tuesday morning. What were the effects like then? Well, let's look at that because, so ERCOT says that online in Texas today, there are 25,121 megawatts of installed wind capacity. That's as of January of this year. There's also 3,800 megawatts of solar installed. So you total that up and that's about 28,921 megawatts of capacity from wind and solar. Well, at 1 o'clock in the morning, 1 a.m. in the morning when the market tripped offline and they started shutting down load, rolling blackouts around, only, well, let me put it another way. At that point in time, 26,521 megawatts of wind were offline. Wind and solar were offline. So, in other words, 91% of renewable generation was offline. That's only slightly less than the 28,000 megawatts of gas and coal the, the statesman, statesman reports were out on Wednesday. I don't have the, the numbers for gas and coal and nuclear Monday night, but let's just say that's about the same. So first of all, I think they, they were about 42% of installed capacity were offline for gas and coal 
and nuclear, 42% offline, but it was 91% of renewables because the wind wasn't blowing very strong, and where it was blowing, half the turbines were frozen, and of course, solar output that night was zero for the very simple reason that the sun wasn't shining. So all that money that had gone into wind and solar over the last five years provided almost zero output for that day. Just a few, 2,400, I think it was, uh, of megawatts. Just a very few megawatts out there. But what if all that wind and solar hadn't been built because of subsidies and natural gas had been? They could have been out there coming online, taking care of our needs. And like I said, because wind and solar drive down profits for everybody, except for the renewable guys because they get the subsidies, you take those off, they're probably building more natural gas than they did wind and solar. We might have had enough to make it through without any rolling blackouts, despite a one in a hundred year storm that we had. So there's a lot more that can be said about this. And I'd really encourage you to go to uh, my website, excellentthought.net. They're covering this. Well, I'm covering this with a lot of different information on there. You can go to Master Resource. That's a great blog run out of Houston, Texas. Uh, Texas Scorecard is running a lot of stuff. That's our sponsors for this show. They're running a lot of good things for me and from a lot of other people. Uh, the Center for the American Experiment out of Minnesota has probably the best article I've seen so far. Robert Bryce, you can find his work in a lot of places, but just Google him. He lives right here in Austin. He wrote a piece. He was out of electricity this week as well. And he wrote a never, another good piece about how the left, he didn't quite put it this way, but how the left and all the environmentalists are trying to electrify everything, and you just can't do it. You, gotta, you have to have natural gas. So there's a lot of good sources out there. I had lunch with a friend today who was saying that he had, all he'd heard was that renewable energy wasn't to blame. But all these other types of generation were offline as well. Well, sure, they were offline to some extent, but you, he had never seen the numbers that I'm talking to you about now. So I hope I convinced him. I hope I've convinced you that the number one problem with the Texas electricity market last week, other than the fact that it got really cold, a once in a century or more kind of cold front, are renewable energy subsidy. Yes, we can move forward with some winterization. That's probably a good idea. But don't believe that they weren't winterized. It's just they weren't winterized for a one in a hundred year storm. Uh, we certainly need to make renewable generators pay for all the cost that they are imposing on the market. And I think you're going to see some movement on that in the Texas legislature because despite their public shenanigans out there trying to blame everybody. I think a lot of people in the Texas legislature either don't like renewables or are scared of renewables and what they might cause. So I think we're going to see some of that. But ultimately, even if it didn't get done this session, though it should, we need to get rid of renewable energy subsidies for the entire state of Texas. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And thank you again to our great sponsors, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.